we were sitting here and I told you, I am going to make a $20,000 check. I was like, I want the big one too. I want that big fucking cardboard check. Telling certain people your dreams and, and your goals because manifestation is so real. And after having that experience with you where I just randomly sent you the photo of me holding my big check as like a joke, but also like you're the only person I told about this. That was a vision that I had in your garage when I was helping you clean up that day. And then three months later, there it was. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. It's Sunday. I have my buddy, Mike Lemangeli, in the house, and we're going to chat a little bit about some of the topics that he wanted to bring here on the episode. He's been on the show before, so go check out previous episodes if you'd like to hear more about him, his story, the things that he's worked on in the past. But I ran into Mike at a local event recently, and we were just shooting the shit there like we always do, and ideas are flying, and things that we feel like we could help the world with come up. And he put together a list here today to kind of just like run through and have a conversation around all things sales, entrepreneurship, brand building, and a lot of great stuff. But before we get into it, how's it hanging today, Mike? It's hanging. I just got to meet Aiden for the first time. That was pretty cool to think about you having a child. Even though last time I was in this room, that didn't exist yet. So it's just, everything's, uh, seems like it's been on fast forward for the past nine months at least. So yeah, I guess the age old saying is the older you get, the faster it goes. Like people but I remember being a kid, parents saying like, stay young and it only, it only gets faster and only goes faster. I've never really been able to pinpoint why it feels like that. But I think as I reflect more and more on my life and get involved in more things, when you are really focused and dialed in on things, it seems like time is almost an illusion. And for you, I know for the past year at least, you've been really dialed into a certain area of your life and that can make it seem like time is flying. And then obviously me too, been really dialed into being the best dad as possible. So all the other stuff that doesn't fall in line with being in dad mode seems to just like, oh my God, I gotta get this done and then that done. But I'd love to start off with just giving you the open floor of like, what would you like to bring to the table today? And then we can just go from there. Um, You know, I feel like a lot of your listeners are either entrepreneurs or in the corporate world. And when I met you, I was starting my entrepreneurial career and that was our first podcast. And then I continue to keep growing that and then I've now entered the corporate world. And I definitely think that I have some value props to for anyone who's thinking about leaving entrepreneurialism to come back to corporations in 2023. 
uh, or vice versa, leaving the corporate world to go to entrepreneurialism. I think that's a dichotomy that's so hard for people to actually make it tangible. And I think I can provide that. Um, it's kind of been a mini experiment for me for the past nine months. And it's been a hell of a ride, um, mentally, physically, spiritually, everything has just been very, very, uh, wild. Let's dig in a little bit then. When you first entered the corporate world, did you have anything that you were working on entrepreneurial or did you go into the corporate world as like, this is the thing that I'm going to be doing almost for the rest of my life. I think a lot of people aren't exposed to entrepreneurship prior to getting into the corporate world. So that's really what hinders them from like jumping ship and going to do something else. But sometimes when they hear stories of actually I had no idea that I would like five years later, I was going to be an entrepreneur. I, just kind of figured it out along the way. But for you, what did that look like? So when I got out of college, I immediately went to corporate world, saved up the money, started my own businesses. So then I was like, great, I'm an entrepreneur for life. I'm never going back. And then with COVID and the economy and everything happening, we ended up shutting two of our businesses down and then starting another one right as I jumped in the corporate world. Um, So January, we closed two restaurants down and then February opened up another one, taking all the energy and finances that we had and putting that into that. So starting my own business again with starting the corporate at the same time, thinking that it's doable and juggleable. But when you're competitive and in sales, it's really hard to navigate the two where you put your energy in. Luckily, I have an amazing partner who helps carry a lot of the weight where I can just provide branding, marketing, and finances for the company. Hence, going back to work. So that was, I was trying to use this as an ATM and it's worked, I'm able to pay off debts. I'm able to get ahead again to where I want it to be in nine months. But what I kind of want to talk about is at what cost. And that is definitely inside. And it's hard to even express to you like, When I come speak to you, it's so funny. And something I want all the listeners and the viewers to know is that you, to me, are like the only person I can speak to on this stuff because you have shown up for yourself time and time again. You show up for others. Like you're an exact mirror replica of me. And if you haven't noticed, whenever I see you, even if it's one week, seven months, one year difference, I just like word vomit to you because you understand every single thing that I'm about to say. So I like but you're the only person I've ever done that with. So I just wanted to one, say thank you, but two, let everybody know that like you are the real deal because you practice what you preach and you're a person who does what he says he's going to do. And that's like really fucking rare in this world. So quick little caveat, but that's where I always come to you and just like, Hey, how are you doing? Good. Blah. Yeah. And everything you just said, thank you. Uh, I received that. I think over the years, I mean, you're a competitor. It's hard to fully receive. I think I've been a yep. much better on the listening and like really taking in the things that other people have been saying to me and and doubling down on them. I think that's been really something that I've been trying to do a better job of. And even, I mean, Aaron mentioned this on the last podcast that we just released, I believe today it was something around like one of the things that we've been working on and gotten better at that we've noticed 
in the in our partner, so her to me and me to her. Mm-hmm. And she no, she noticed that I've been putting an effort into reconnecting with friends and family and people that matter to me in my life. And even though I'm more booked than ever with having Aiden and thriving opportunities, I'm investing more time in these other areas that actually matter. And that stems from exactly what you're talking about. I took a reflection on being who I say I want to be, and that's a family man, a friend, uh, a community member. And I think that anybody listening, when you receive something like Mike just said to you, it's, it's really vital to take a step back and understand like how you got to the point that you're at now, because your future is predicated on the steps that you're taking in the now. So when you tell that to me, it makes me feel really good. And then I ask myself, well, why is he saying that? How do I do more of those things? Because that's what's actually going to bring me into a much better future. And when you're talking about where you're at now and where your future is going to be for people out there and for myself included, actually what you talked about that I'm curious about is you fucking shut businesses down and then just kept going. There's not many people. And this is what it like I connect with you because I've started, stopped, done all these different things. Like I had, I dropped, let's see, $3,600 times however many months I put into that one studio that you helped me build out. So it's got to be like almost a hundred grand into an idea that didn't work. And it didn't work not because I didn't try, not because it didn't have legs, but COVID happened and I couldn't literally have a co-working studio during COVID. So it killed an idea that I had that I was so passionate about. So I know what that's like, but I just kept right on going. Now for you, I'd love to understand two things. What was the breaking point to actually decide, okay, I'm going to shut this idea or my, my business partner and I are going to shut this idea down and reinvest into a new idea. That's the first part of this question because I think whether you're in the corporate world or entrepreneur, that's a huge struggle for people. They talk about it in the book Essentialism, Greg McKeon does. Like When you invest a ton of time into something, even though it's dying, people will hold on to it rather than saying, you know what? I gave it my all. It's just not the right time. Let me put my energy somewhere else. So I'd love your rundown of like, how did you know to do that? Well, exactly what you just said. What we run into, and I think a lot of people do, is holding on to something too long just for the sake of holding on to it because you started it. For us, we wanted to make sure we pay our people really well. And so we wanted to make sure that I think we just stayed afloat to just keep paying them, like just keep their jobs so they wouldn't have to move on or like kind of not ruin their life, but we wanted to keep making it better as we do. So that was mistake number one was holding on for too long. Um, But when we went back to the drawing board and the way that things have shifted in our own community, we were able to insert ourselves again into making plant-based burgers that are top tier that blows anyone else out of the water. So we were doing, uh, Mission Street Burrito was a Mexican um, idea, and then Fair Game Italian was the plant-based Italian. And those two things out of a market, I think there was a disconnect. We had everything that you did with Thrive is identical. Add in a little bit of COVID, but we had everything right, but the execution 
maybe out of the location or the market just was a miss. So somebody receiving $22 fettuccine chicken Alfredo to go just didn't land, even though the food was so good once they ate it. So there was those kinds of things. There's a couple other factors, but then taking that experience that we had and thriving underfunded and then taking anything we had, bringing on a new investor and putting all of our energy into the burger concept on a perfect location in Old Torf in Congress completely re-energized us to just keep it moving. Less is more. A hundred percent. Always, always, always. And speaking on, we're opening up a food truck that is literally the idea of less is more. Um, at our flagship location, we have all different variations of sandwiches, chicken, burgers, fry bar. This new food truck is just burgers and fries at an ice cream shop. Easy. Just keep it simple. Where in the corporate world is that theme less is more the exact opposite? Well, it seems like energy expenditure is never less is more. The more you want, the more you have to input equals output, right? So less is not more. More is always more, whether that's money, more sales, just more output. Um, and that's what's frustrating to me is there's no real conquering. Maybe it's my current position at this current company. Um, and you can keep rising and rising and hopefully have less equal more money because depending on if you have people underneath you or whatever, but as just a senior account executive at a company, you have to just keep showing up and there's, there's no less. And then they expect if you set the bar here for one month, well then even if you blew quota three times out of the water, they're like, so how can you do this again? It's not sustainable for anyone. I don't really care like who you are. And I've pushed myself to the limits with my relationships with my own health um, and, uh, and own businesses at the compromise of nonstop pushing, go, 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 to the point where I just like, I've never been one to quit or break down, but I felt like a, a little thing in my brain where I was like, is this what a breakdown is? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know, I've never had one, but I just felt like I need to take a step back from everything, including my relationship and my family a little bit to really re-harness like who I am, how I can be the best at this, best business partner, best regular partner, and just like keep all these files in the folder and it all just got muddied together. Yeah, you realize that you can't be the best at, at multiple things. I think it's a it's a problem we create when we send kids to school and we give them eight topics to learn at a time and we say they're all worth the same. Yep. And I think when we're younger, we just soak that in rather than the reality is you really just got to be 70% proficient in most areas of life, yep. including your job. It's just your job. You want to be 99% proficient at taking care of your own health and your family and everyone around you. And then everything else falls in line after that. But it's a, I laughed because when you're talking about the breaking point, it's like the same thing for me. I don't, you don't, you don't break like I would say the average person would like go on a bender or like no. do different things that show up as like, is this person okay? Um, it's, it's subtle. Extremely subtle. What ways is that more dangerous than the opposite? 
because nobody knows what's going on around you. They don't have a perception of like, if they've never seen you break before and if it's just a little crack, they're like, oh, Michael's fine. Everything's fine. But when your family comes to you, whether that's for money or to uh, emotionally dump or just tell you about their day, if you have seven family members doing that, plus your relationship, plus all your job and coworkers, plus your business partner, how, how much can you really take until like you start to bend, bend to bend, um, but nobody gets to see the bend. And then, then you get the crack in the, in the, the wood. And luckily I have enough people like yourself in my life that I'm able to just really not bandaid that issue, take a moment, take a step back and like re-support because the roof seemed to be caving in. Um, and that's, that's really what I wanted to talk about here was figuring out how to do all the mental gymnastics to bring yourself back to you after experiencing something that nobody would really notice unless they spent every day with you to be like, hey, are you good? Because the people you show up for at work only know you as you. And I, I love that because they get to know this version of me instead of two years ago, three years ago. But then you're held at this certain bar and anything less is going to be um, maybe not okay for your manager. Or Yeah, the problem with work, anything less can be viewed as a lowering of quality of life to you personally because if you're showing up less than at work and they notice that instead of them being concerned it's they're concerned about themselves and their name main priority is keep the business alive and thriving and if michael's hurting that main objective instead of helping michael it's how do i help myself and the business so it's like a conflict of interest easily in the in the corporate world versus what you were talking about in the entrepreneurial world was the opposite. One of the reasons that we really connect is we got into the entrepreneurial world to the quote, I mean, my hat right there says for the people, how do I pay people what they're worth and have them feel confident in what they're doing and what they're bringing home so that they can live a flourishing life. And unfortunately in when companies get a lot bigger, it's, it's much harder to keep that interpersonal dynamic between people where they understand who Michael is as a, a real person outside of the job. Um, and I used to, I think maybe you can connect with this. I used to take it out on the, like when I worked corporate, I'd almost take it out on the people around me. Like, how could you be like this? <laughs> but the reality is it's just, it's the system. Like it's not the person they're not, no. Like them trying to show up to do their job and, and pay their bills and go home to their family and, and live the life that they want is not truly fully them. Like they're just operating in the system. As soon as they walk through that door, they become that version. And so for me to struggle with that and still try to find humanness in everything I do for the people, be of service, that's where we really relate to each other too it's really hard for me to put on the fake facade of like, as soon as I open the door, I'm this corporate Michael. And there's a huge disconnect because I don't feel like I'm being seen as a human. And one of the points I wanted to bring too is when you're in the corporate world, it's kind of like they reduce humanity to a number. Whatever your quota is, that is how much value you are. And that does not sit well with me because I want to know about what you do outside of work. I want to know 
just all about you, regardless of your quota and the number that you're bringing to the table. And that, yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me. I, I don't know what else I can say about that, but being reduced to a number is not cool. It's, it's interesting that you say, say that, um, you only really learn the true value of people during crisis. Yes. So when we had that snowstorm here, like the people that become very valuable are the people that have the food and the water. And you start realizing real quick when times are in a crisis, what's the true value? I think also we're sitting in, in a home that I have and it's funny, Aaron and I, my wife, um, we'll talk about this a lot of just like the true value that we each bring to a partnership. And in the beginning, it was a struggle for me because I don't value currency as the top value. And I would fight with myself so much because part of me is like, I should be valuing it higher because I'm supposed to provide for my wife and my kids and my this. But then the other part of me is like, yeah, but my true value is like, I want to be a great leader. I want to fix things. I want to provide emotionally for the people around me when they're down. How can I support them? How can I read a lot of books and learn and have a high EQ, yes. not just IQ to make money? And it's been a huge struggle over the years of constantly going back with, okay, I need to make this amount of money so that I can check this box. But then I also, what I really value is these other things. So I'd love to understand and go down this rabbit hole of you mentioning these other things that are valuable. When you think of that and you think of humanity from past to now to future, what is value? What is of value? So I think to everybody it's different, but it kind of brings us back to the first point you made about our educational system. Like you saying all of that right there is actually troublesome for how we grew up doing the eight subjects and the homework and everything. You don't really want to follow. You want to be a leader. So a goal of mine is to show up for people as an entrepreneur and help other young entrepreneurs recognize maybe you knew that when you were 16 on the soccer field. Maybe you knew that this traditional route wasn't for you, but we still got forced anyways. That doesn't sit well with me, so I want to be able to figure out how I can better impact youth to not skip college or skip their education, but how we can pivot their ideas and start something special for them to see value in themselves and become a leader instead of just having to follow that traditional path. I know it's kind of a tangent, um, but when it comes to bringing value, for me specifically, I've learned that service how can I be of service? I don't know whether it's because I'm the youngest of my family, um, always trying to help people out. That to me, there's there's got to be some intrinsic natures inside of us that that's where I don't feel in the corporate world that I'm really being of service when I'm selling a product that maybe it is valuable, but convincing someone and doing all that work is I very have. strange a thread that I want to go down. So Mike is so competitive here. Like I'm trying, I got to try and describe it to the people <laughs> that are listening. You're like the only dude I know that would like, you left the corporate world, had a, like built a successful business, run a couple different businesses, 
some succeed, some don't, start new ones, do side hustles, help other people start their things, build out brands, including helping me with my own. And then you decide, I'm not only going to go back to the corporate world, but I'm going to do like the hardest thing in the corporate world, which is sales. And I'm going to crush it. And you literally came to me, I don't know when it was, and you're like, I'm going to make 20 grand a month in this sales job on top of what I make on the bi- from the businesses. And I knew you would do it. And then a couple months go by and you end up doing it. That's how competitive you are. It's like, how many people are going to actually go and do that? Now, what you just said about like school and value and providing almost the knowledge that there are these other paths out there for people, even if you knew when you were younger that that wasn't the path and people kept putting you down um, that path. It's almost like because we're so competitive, that's why we love service so much because when you serve, it's almost, it's selfish. It like is. when I serve, it's like selfish because like you get attention, you get love, you get just the, the knowing that you helped in some way and that if you were to perish in this moment, that <laughs> somebody's life was better because of you, like that is a self-fulfilling thing and there's no cap to it. There's no like, there's only, like I can only serve more. Like yeah. no matter how much money I have, whether you're freaking Elon Musk or Richard Branson, whoever, you're like, you're always challenged to serve more and do more. And as a competitor, that excites me. Every day that I wake up, it's like, how do I serve first and foremost my own home? But then outside of that, more and more. And there's no cap to that. Do you believe that that is based on some of the competitive nature within you? I think that's actually the clearest point that I've ever heard of trying to figure out why. We're athletes. That's what we do. And I think also something that's important is in order to be, sometimes you have to be selfish in order to be selfless, right? It's one of my favorite sayings. So that actually is right on brand with what you're saying where I don't actually recognize that it's selfish to help others because you get some notoriety or some love out of it, which are okay things. Um, but it's very interesting. My competitive nature wants me maybe because we've always been on a team and how we can serve the team. And then if we, you're on my team, whether we are in business together or not, like you're on my team, you're my fucking captain. Right. And everybody else, maybe as an athlete, we've just like had this mind shift of, Oh, well there's my goalie there's my center and you find these people in your life to create your own team. And unfortunately, or fortunately the, the valuation of money is how I can then help spread the support to the team. Um, so I was sitting in this room, not podcasting, even though I feel like every conversation we have could easily be recorded. We were sitting here and I told you, I am going to make a $20,000 check. I was like, I want the big one too. I want that big fucking cardboard check. And I wanted to speak real quickly about telling certain people your dreams and and your goals because uh, manifestation is so real. And 
after having that experience with you where I just randomly sent you the photo of me holding my big check as like a joke, but also like you're the only person I told about this. That was a vision that I had in your garage when I was helping you clean up that day. And then three months later, there it was. And so these perpetual manifestations and seemingly deja vus continue to point that I'm on the right direction. And I'm so grateful for our conversation that day because if I hadn't spoken that, maybe I wouldn't have sent you the picture and gotten that big cardboard check, you know? So I did want to speak about a little bit of manifestation and that's actually another thing I've learned actually going corporate, which is kind of an interesting thing because every day on the way to work, I'm listening to constant repetitions of how we are abundant, successful. I will close deals today. Deals are attracted to me. And then I'd show up to work and all of a sudden the first call, like three deals come out of that and everybody's just still like drinking their coffee and getting ready to start calling. And for anybody who is questioning or I would just dare you to try it for a month, find that Spotify or Apple Music, money manifestations and just drive into the way to work, maybe skip a podcast and just repeat those words. People wouldn't stop asking me how I got 64 deals when the closest person was 20 something. And I was like, I don't fucking know. I'm just reading back to what is being told to me as I'm going to sleep at night. I tell myself I will handle everything that comes at me tomorrow and I will close deals. Simple bites out. Then I wake up, listen to that. And there's a lot of things I don't think people, people might think it's woo woo, but our energy all around us is fulfilled by what we keep feeding it. So it's very important. I agree. And you mentioned having a team. And when I think about what you just said, what's the difference between just a regular team and dynasties that win multiple championships? It's when they walk into the locker room, that very first practice of the very first day for some of those people, the expectation is set that we're going to win the championship this year. And here's what we have to do to do it. And that's the difference of how you're going into work is like, how does a champion play? Well, a champion does the things that you're talking about, sets the right mindset before even getting there with the expectation that these deals are going to close. And then the world conspires to make that happen. And going back to the team concept and the service based concept you ever hold, held up a team trophy alone? Not fucking fun. No. It's not fun at all. Like, if you win a championship and they're like, yeah, take, take the trophy home for the night. In theory, it's like, yeah, I get to bring the trophy home. But the reality is, like, that's never going to be as fun as, like, holding the trophy up in the locker room, spraying each other with champagne. Like, that moment is what we care about, yeah. is we get to celebrate with the people around us. And even then, the only reason that that championship matters is because of the sacrifice the whole season. If you played a season and it was one game and you won the championship, it wouldn't matter because it wouldn't really be a championship. But it's the highs and the lows and everything in between. And I think to tie this to, I think there's something that, to be said about how do we bring our fullest selves into the corporate world to make the corporate world better 
is because there's no full self in the corporate world, we're never going to be a true team. You're never going to have that full feeling of Mike got 64, even though everyone else got 20 or less. We can't fully celebrate Michael and these successes because we don't fully know who Michael is or what he's given up to make this happen and what he's chosen to give it, like chose to give up. And I think that's what really hurts the corporate world versus in the entrepreneurial world. A lot of the things that I work on, when somebody's struggling, I know it. Like we talk about it. If we go into a business meeting and something is off, we don't talk business. Correct. And that never happens in the corporate world. Mm-mm. Everyone just shuts that off. And it's like when you step through those doors, but that's not reality. Do you see, and where I'm getting at with this is, do you see the ability to have thriving corporations? And I would qual- I would qualify a corporation as probably, I mean, if you, we can manage seven people at a time, that's like the psychological statistic. So I'm saying if you probably have a team of five people that are managing seven people each, I would say, okay, 50 or more is like a corporation to me. That's like fair. Probably a small corporation is 50 or more where you have like six, seven, eight people that are managing six, seven, eight people. Is it possible to do what we do in the entrepreneurial world when in terms of like the psychological team-based, service-based mindset to scale up to a large-scale corporation? I think you'd have to have everybody be so mentally aligned that there's no selfish desires underlying why they're working with you. Um, And I think that's something beautiful about our own network. And especially in Austin, I say this at least once a year is Austin specifically, at least we've curated a network that it is, how can I help you up? And then you grab me up afterwards. You're from the East coast. Like me, we've lived in the Northeast the crabs in the barrel mindset of how can I step on you to get above you? So if, and, but that's what corporations seem. And where do you think the headquarters are always New York, LA, Chicago, different places. Obviously there's Austin headquarters and I'm hoping that some corporations can pick up on the overall vibrations of helping others in order to be helped up. Um, But you would have to have the whole team, all 50 of you, within that same mindset. So you'd have to have better onboarding, better recruiting, better hiring practices. Which is so tough. Right? Because, but then then we could talk about, I mean, right now I have a buddy who's on his sixth of six interviews. I hope you're asking them, what do you do for fun? Um, what's your family life like? Like at that point, you better know everything is a, what there is to know about them and how they're gonna impact your company as a human, not as a number. And when I ask that question, I want to make it clear to anybody listening, like the answer might be no. They might, the answer might be corporations are to make a bunch of money for everybody and to be that single it's a machine. track mindset. What I'm challenging people on is just if you know that's the case, don't expect different and make sure that you are taking care of yourself first. So if you're going to use the machine for your own personal ATM. wealth, health, ATM, <laughs> Like, great, do that, but don't expect anything different because maybe that just is the case of capitalism. And then like anything, if you want it to be different, start your own thing and have a small team of 10. So it's like, that's where I've opened my eyes up over the years because I used to have a a huge disdain 
like, I mean, I have the book reinventing organizations right here on my table. And I used to think like, oh, one of my causes in life is to like reinvent how businesses work. But the reality is as soon as you get so big, it's almost impossible to maintain the same level of interpersonal relations and goal setting and value, intrinsic value that we're talking about. But that's where I think the middle ground, the hybrid, I would love to see bigger corporations empowering people the way that love or hate Google. One of the things that they do that I do think more corporations could do is like they tell their developers like you get 20% time paid to work on your own things because Google then knows that though that creativity is going to lead to more productivity in their company but I think what would actually help is like going to a a four-day work week because I've thought about this I was like I think part of the reason that we shelter a a piece of ourselves if we when we live in the corporate world is it's only two days out of seven that we get to be our truest self and we almost most people lose who that real self is and then you're not even motivated to bring that real self to work but if it was like four day three days split i think you're then almost forced to live a more i never worked the word balance because like that looks so different to everybody else but um flow state type of life like more flow in flow for you what have you lost of yourself when you jump back in because you when you first jumped out of the corporate world you gained this new perspective in entrepreneurship and then then you had the wisdom of corporate and entrepreneurship then you went back into corporate but even though you had the wisdom what did you still see yourself losing when you were there well with this competitive mindset and maybe this conversation is seemingly naive for me to even think that what we're speaking on is just so outlandish to have a human perspective. Um, I lost a lot of me and there's no other real way of putting that except the way that I would show up for myself. Um, I'm not trying to put parameters on anything, but as I mentioned, having 45 minutes for lunch, I'm going to take that moment to go train because I'm going to be better on the phones if my blood is flowing or I'm going to be doing a better job. I'm going to show up for the company better if I have the right mindset from obviously after exercise, our adrenaline, our cells are feeling better. So then I sacrifice that lunch. Obviously I eat right after, um, but it's way more than just that. I've, I truly feel like I've lost um, my last podcast we did. I was a children's book author, creative, right? Digital marketing, whatever it is. I, my brain has completely shut that off. I love writing poetry. I love being creative. And I'm not even trying to make an excuse, but that is just, I think the split in the brain has been completely like, like through scripts and rebuttals and memorizing everything that to be a better closer has completely just sliced that side off. So that's when I say when I've lost me, I've lost some creativity, I've lost passion um waking up every day with like at 7 30 with that heart stress i'm sure a lot of people listening can relate all of a sudden you're like almost shocked into existence 
due to cortisol levels immediately spiking as soon as we open our eyes because we know we have to maybe go do something that is against what we would like to do in those moments. Um, and to be fair, that's actually just starting for me now. I think the nine months experiment has, I was shooting for 12 and I'm not a quitter, so we're going to see what happens. But that's what I mean when I've lost, like I've lost a lot of me. I'm going to switch your lingo because that's what I'm here for as the Mr. Thrive. You didn't lose it. You just put it on pause. I sure did. The number one trait that I would say, if I could mold an entrepreneur, if I could, if I could spin up an entrepreneur from ground zero, the number one, I would say capabilities, number two, two capabilities. I would say if you could get grant that entrepreneur, these capabilities, they're for sure going to go places. Product design, sales. Most people either are really good at product design or really good at sales. They're not great at both. Right. So if you press pause, you're great at sales and you're great at product design. You have such a breadth of knowledge in my and experience now. And this is the beauty of we were just mentioning like going into our mid 30s. In our early 20s, we had knowledge. We just didn't have experience. We pick up things very quick. We read stuff. We listen to stuff. You're like listening to manifestations as you're going to work. Like we operate on this level. The difference is you didn't have the actual life experience to match with the knowledge. Now you do. So the next 10 years are going to be extremely abundant because you now can say, oh, I've, I know what it's like to do X, Y, and Z. Now I should... I, I, my next step cannot be in the direction of what should I do. It's in the direction of what must I do. And that's the only thing that I would say, just being, speaking as your friend is you viewed it as an experience. Most people, we could do anything for a year, stick it out. And then the only thing that matters though, is what must you do coming out of that year and from that was me speaking as a friend. Now me speaking as a consultant, it's what must you do should be to think bigger, to maximize your capability in sales and maximize your capability in product design to serve the greatest cause possible. Cause you mentioned serving people. So how do you want to serve people and what's the maximum way that you could serve people where product design and sales thriving for Mike that's where I foresee that your future going and you're going to get the most fulfillment because there's a reason that you're in sales. Like you don't just, it's not just about the money. You're keen on it because you're really good at it and you like it. So that's, that's like a, it is fulfilling to an extent, but my buddy Noah always talks about you have the throttle and if you redline too long, the car just starts self-combusting just breaks down. So you have to find like what's your sales throttle and then like what's your product design throttle, which yeah. I'm sure coming out of this, you're going to think about that and understand. Now it's funny because I look up to you for that because I've lost the touch a little bit of the sales side and seeing what you've done has turned it on for me. So I was showing you some videos that I did prior to this and some yeah. of the things that I've been working on to like get back into that sales heavy side, but I just want to be that reflector of what you've done is 
incredible. And yes. most people, I'd say 99.9 cannot go from one side to the other. So you didn't lose it. You just got to turn the throttle back on the sales and turn the throttle back up on the product side, figure out what they should look like and then move forward from there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the correct word would be pause. But for some reason, when you're in sales, you're conditioned to have a black and white view of month to month finite time, um, which is another interesting thing. Um, I have pretty much been on red line. I've been up in the RPMs for this since January 3rd, since I started. I It was all gas, no brakes. And that is seeming to come out now. Um, but you're right. It is put on pause. The timeline is only attributed to our own perception. And we started this concept of time. It is kind of an illusion. Doesn't really exist. We just have the mental map of the calendar. But when you have Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4, everything is so constricted. As an entrepreneur, I think a beautiful difference is you still have those metrics, but you're not in metrics purgatory is what I like to call mm -hmm. this. And so it's like, you still can just do what you're supposed to do in a grand scale as opposed to, okay, but you need to have this. This is now going to be the, we're starting the second week of September now, or I guess maybe even the third week next week. And so if you don't have the stuff that was put in place, there's no way you're going to come around the bend and close by the end for a lot of things. Um, but I'm committing to just making that throttle go about halfway still be able to bring some of myself back into it. Maybe I can try to bring more creativity into my current role. Um, but this role isn't sustainable. What you want to do is just keep growing. And like a manager, as I am a manager of my own employees and my own business, that is what's something I would love to be when it comes to helping the people get do the things that I was doing. That, that was a goal for me. Um, but I love the analogy of just putting it on pause I haven't stopped. I haven't lost anything. It obviously can get ramped back up as soon as I start thinking in creative ways. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, Noah said it best. I full throttled and the car, like the car, the engine has combusted, if you will. And I think you've done so well at sales because a part of me knows that you didn't, you didn't not bring pieces of yourself into it, the pieces of the entrepreneurial self. And when you're talking about, okay, the 20K check, I feel like you could make 50K a month teaching sales organizations and their employees how to bring more of their fullest selves and the creative selves into their deals and how that's going to help them close. Like, I'm just thinking completely outside the box now, but I'm showing you that would be the, that would be the intersection of using your creativity for product design. So my product is helping these organizations and managers instill more authenticity into their every day so that they close more deals so that their sales people are happier and the business is doing what it's supposed to do, which is make more profit every single quarter. Cause that's the goal, right? That's what they tell you the goal is, yeah. but it's arbitrary. It's just, this is the goal because we've set this before and then we're going to set an even higher goal. But the reality is more harmony is brought if we bring more, of ourselves into it. And that's where I think it's, I've been really into zero to one. I don't know if you've read that book by Peter Thiel, but I've been really into the zero to one mindset lately because 
I think when you hit new levels of entrepreneurship, corporate world or life, you start realizing at the end of the day, it's really just breaking down these big goals into small actions, just like you're talking about, especially in sales, like make the hundred calls. Well, it starts with one dial in the morning. What is your zero to one look like coming out of this? And I'm not saying quitting it because maybe that's not the case, but what is your zero to one in bringing more creativity back into your life? So imagine starting your day and just saying, how do I just bring a little bit more creativity back into my life? Yeah. I mean, I would be lying if I told you that I didn't create like a PowerPoint, beautiful presentation for the entire company to tell them how I was doing what I was doing. I did that like month four or five and I, I went to the higher ups and I said, Hey, I would love to share where I'm bringing a little bit of personal creativity to making someone feel like they should get our product. Um, it's a really dope presentation. I shared it like one time with like a very small team. I wish it was more because it would have been probably appreciated a little bit at a grander level. But, um, I don't know. I think that in creating something like that and just speaking on what you were saying after this, I would love to be able to let people know that manipulation is not always a bad thing. And they teach us these words and these phrases of if anybody's on Instagram and is in sales right now, they're probably seeing these two guys that keep saying, instead of saying, do you think this is a good idea? It's like, do you feel this would work for you? Like the two different things of thinking and feeling just that quick little, there's so there's a million of these little switches where we don't email people saying, or we don't call and say, Hey, I'm just following up. It's more just like, Hey, just want to see if this makes sense to get out to you. Now it's like you're challenging them in a different way where they have to actually dig deep and how easy is it for someone to be like, Hey, I didn't read that email yet. Instead of being like, Hey, did you get a chance to read the email? It's more of like, hey, I just wanted to go over that email you asked me to send you. You're putting it back on someone. So these little manipulations of words combined with personal creativity of how to relate to someone. When I was selling in person, there would be, um, I don't know, let's say someone had a skiing photo of themselves on their desk with their family. I wouldn't go in there and immediately be like, hey, let's talk about my product. I'd be like, oh shit, you just snowboard? Like, Try to make yourself human and personal to their experience. It's all about them. And doing it over the phone is very tricky because you don't get to smile. You don't get to see them. You don't get to... So it's all about the words being used and chosen. And everyone has to be crafted so quickly. Um, so that is something, to your point, that is something that would be really fun for me to do, would be speaking to organizations about how, especially because now everything's generally over the phone, after COVID, door-to-door -door sales inside is, uh, oh, it's not frowned upon, but it doesn't really exist. Um, so that would be something that would be very intriguing to me. But then again, that also stems into me wanting to be a teacher, wanting to help young entrepreneurs. If I can teach someone, I am serving them. Yeah, the struggle is, and when I do a lot of my consulting, it's you have to treat your internal sales just like your external so for you your your light bulb moment is okay you gave that presentation that you think is badass to that small team now you have to manipulate to get it to the entire organization you have to like sell your way to the top 
just like you would sell to get that 20k check like and it's tough for people to do that because it's just to your point it's like a different it's almost like a a different game and that's where i think if you can turn that on that's the next level of the game where when we're talking entrepreneurship selling like manipulation to me i never have a feeling towards words it's mm. how you use the words that matter like for instance fuck <laughs> how you use that word is going to dictate the outcome of whoever is yes. receiving that word and when you're thinking of manipulation at the end of the day we're all just manipulating people to get what we want i have a 4 month old when he cries he's manipulating me 100%. we're just in in it's built into us where it becomes a problem is where people use it for bad Correct. And you have to be the cipher of, is this good or bad? And if you're like Michael and I, and you're always conscious of what am I serving? Who am I serving? Why am I doing this? Your manipulation becomes, okay, usually anything that I want done is going to serve people or a place in a better way. And that helps you kind of manipulate more because you then are validating, like, okay, this isn't necessarily an ick that they call it the ick. There's a book called Getting More by um, Stuart Diamond. I read that book and it, it talks from everything like how to get discounts on like flights to like talk to your local, local coffee shop vendor. And it was eye-opening to me because you really just start realizing every little moment of your day is manipulation, either for or against. Like somebody's either trying to manipulate me or I'm trying to manipulate them. So I, I like that you brought that word up because it's one of those things that make our makes our most people's hair stand up, but that's where we really solve a lot of problems. And man, I've really loved this discussion. How do I want to manipulate it to get the most out of the last <laughs> 10 minutes? <laughs> that's a really good point and question. I do say that my dad always told me, whether it's your wife, husband, partner, uh, business, local anything we're all selling ourselves every day for example you and aaron wake up if you want to choose to be an asshole you're selling yourself to aaron in that way where she most likely will reject those after time and time and time but when we show up for ourselves and each other we're constantly selling ourselves to be the right person so the word manipulation shouldn't have a negative connotation in the same way that you're speaking on is like sales and manipulation that's all we're doing all day long and honestly, our relationship, you and I have brought tremendous value to each other over the years, whether it's physical or mental. And even sitting here today, I want to, I'm act, like subconsciously selling myself to this podcast so that we can provide value to others in a positive way and doing it well enough for you to ask me to do number four next year, you know, and I can't wait to do that because then we're talking about every iteration that we've had, whether it was us in my kitchen, us in the spot that we built out for you, talking about the book, and now this is round three of us doing, it's just really cool. It's kind of a little mini biography of our own stage in this. Um, and there's something that we can always, I'm excited to now listen to the last two, just to see how we speak to each other, how even the words that we're selling each other on, because in the very beginning, we didn't know each other well enough yet. We literally played NHL video game together in my <laughs> in the living room that day. 
and that was my ass whooped. Yeah, that's what happened. Sorry, I'm number five in the world. It's not big deal. <laughs> not anymore. I don't play video <laughs> games. Actually, another thing I don't do. Um, but yeah, so that was really important that my dad. He's one of the best salesmen I've ever known. And ironically enough, I actually got him a job at the company I used to work at over the phone um, selling for auto shops. And he has this drive like we do where he's thinking like the CEO because he was a CEO. Imagine being the CEO of a, a big company for 10 years and then hitting the phones as a BDR. And he's seeing all these little miscalculations. The companies, they're buying shit leads. They're doing this. They're not paying people right. And I just have to tell him every single day he calls me, I say, Dad, if you want to be the CEO, we can try to get you there. Or you can just enjoy your nine to five, no work on the weekends, no homework job where you can essentially take a nap if you want in the middle of the day. And he's like, okay, you're right. Yeah, put the CEO mindset into what actually what you actually care about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we're actually going to end there because that's, I think, been a huge struggle of mine over the years. And I, I think there's a good area for you to take from this is where do you want to be CEO again? Because I've seen you in both lights. You mentioned the different seasons we've been in as we've hosted these episodes. And I've watched you go from CEO mind to hybrid to fully invested in that 20K check to now kind of coming full circle and figuring out where do, where is it do you want to sit in this next chapter? And the word that comes to me is like curiosity. Where where are you going to be most curious, I would say, the next like three to five years? And that's the thread. Because you mentioned it's the sales is like quarterly. Open up your book to more of a longer time horizon and understand where you want to sit. And to give you an example, my wife and I are, are asking ourselves these same questions. And one of the one of the things we're looking at doing is taking a trip with our son, um, potentially buying an RV or something, trailer. And I'm asking myself that because I'm looking at more of the longer time frame of when would be a good time. Like I, I know I want to do this thing, mm. but I know I'm not going to always be able to do it. I'm not always going to have my mid thirties health and flexibility. There's going to be more variables added as I get older and as my parents get older and as like family grows. Right. So I'm viewing my life of where do I want to invest that CEO energy? And it doesn't always have to look like work either. It could look like I want to invest a CEO energy. Like my brother is building a farm. I mean, building is planting like a mini farm in his backyard. Like he's investing, he has a nine to five and he does his nine to five, but then he invests his like CEO level energy into his backyard and into another potential real estate dealer or buying his own RV and traveling around for you. What does that look like? Just off the top of your head, like, do you have any ideas? Uh, interestingly enough, I've started at 14 and a half working for Starbucks inside a grocery store and had three jobs up and through college, paid my way through that, then got my real job after college, and then started three businesses and then got another real job from 14 and a half to almost 34 next month. The past 10 years have never been able to actually sit and be like, I've never asked myself that question. Where do I want to put CEO energy into? What does that look like for me? I haven't even had, because my plate has been so full 
I've never even had like a moment to really sit down with myself and be like, okay, well, what do I want to do at this time? I do know that I totally appreciate what you're saying. I think a trip is necessary for me. I do want to experience Italy where I'm from. That is like when we have this entrepreneurial nexting syndrome of what's next, what's next. I need to commit to myself of finding what I want to do next by leaving the nest. Um, I've always done my best work when I moved from, I moved from Maryland to California, built the ice cream business plan, and then moved here to create and establish it. And then from there, I've just been settling in this network that we keep building and it's so wonderful and cozy and comfortable here, but I'm going to need to step out in order to really be able to ask myself an answer and just take five minutes to my own self to, to answer that question. But you'll be the first to know. Well, you just answered it. Put your CEO energy into Italy. Okay. And I'm going to hold you to that because <laughs> the, it's the whole like 20K check. You just said it. So now that you said it to somebody, you'll say it probably to somebody else. And then everything is smarkles, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time bound. Like when is Italy? Where are you going in Italy? It could be two years from now, but as long as like that is on Hope the horizon not. and you're you're looking at that, it's it's freeing. That's the thing. I think just being around you and your your energy and the difference in the energy over the years, you're in almost the toughest spot because you can do anything. That's harder. <laughs> like hands down. It's harder than you have to go to college because you need a degree because you need a job. Like that was easy. Like when I think back, we think yes. that that's the hard thing or taking on the debt or paying off the debt. But the reality is, and There's anybody listening to this, the, the hard part is when you can do these, when you can do the different paths, when you have a lot of different options, it gets very hard to choose what, what way you should go. Yeah. And you have to create your own structure in order to create that. Like you said, when we're in school, you show up, do the paperwork, done. Then you go to college, you pay the debt, done. Now, when you have the whole world to make decisions on you and you have no structure, you have to create it. And that's where it gets a little tough. But And that's why if you're in that position right now, what I'd love for you to do is I'd love for you to either reach out to Michael or I, where can they best reach you at? Um, the Michael Limangeli on Instagram. I'm actually deviating from social media because of other nuances that we could go on and on and on about. Um, but yeah, I definitely always respond um, to any DMs on there. It'd be great. What's the best way for somebody to support you? You mentioned <sighs> you're opening up a new burger place. Like what's, yeah. how can somebody support one of your causes? I mean, obviously Mission Burger Co. is a wonderful spot to come try our food, but really the way to s help support me is to find what you want to do and, and stand within your boundaries and in yourself um, because it's something that I'm working on. I think we would be a better place as a whole if people acted in accordingly. I agree. I really love this conversation. Thanks for asking me to have it and looking forward to the next one. At the end of every conversation, I reflect on what is my biggest takeaway and there was a lot during this one, but I think I want to hammer home the nail of the manipulation and sales and having anybody that's listened to this realize that you are selling yourself every single day. And the worst thing that I feel like anybody can be doing is selling a lie to themselves. 
And the biggest lie that we all tell ourselves is that we have to do certain things every single day when the reality is you probably have a house that you're living in right now. You probably have food. You probably have your necessities if you're listening to this podcast. If you aren't, please reach out to the people that would love to help you get to the necessities. But if you are that person that has the necessities, you have a lot more options, especially in today's world where you can literally log on to the internet right now and find a better place to live, a better network, a better job. It's all there for the taking, but you must take that initial action. And initial action is learning how to manipulate your own thoughts to get you yourself to take that action and then start learning to sell yourself into those opportunities. The best way that you can help us with this combo is to manipulate other people. <laughs> no, is to share this with other people and give it to the people that need to hear it the most. Anybody that is contemplating leaving the corporate world or is an entrepreneur and wants to jump back into the corporate world to earn some money so they can continue to fund their dreams. Both Michael and I have done that over the years and we'd love to help you on that journey. Give us that five-star rating and review and I look forward to seeing you next time. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive Online Podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.